Welcome to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, a foster and adoptive and bio mama and a therapist in private practice. I'm here to help foster mamas feel seen, heard, and supported on their journey. From quick, actionable steps to make your foster care journey easier to interviews with foster and adoptive mamas, the Fearless Fostering Podcast delivers education and encouragement weekly. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Fearless Fostering Podcast. I'm your host, Kathleen Burst, LCSW, and I'm so excited to have an amazing conversation with Amanda Lamb. She is a foster mama and she is a military wife as well. And I cannot wait to hear just the nitty gritty of what that is like and how being a foster mom maybe impacts that life. So welcome to the show, Amanda. Thank you. I'm excited. I'm nervous, but I'm excited. You are Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Cause I don't, I've never talked to any other foster mom who is also a military wife. And I know I've had friends who have, you know, grown up like as military brat and things like that, but it's just not something that I've encountered so far with foster moms. So first, I guess, just tell us a little bit about your family and who's in your home right now. And then we can go from there. Yeah. So my husband and I, um, we met in high school we did not get together in high school, not the typical high school sweetheart story, but reconnected a few years later. He actually was already stationed here in North Carolina and made a joke about flying me out for his military ball, which became less of a joke and more of a reality. I bought the dress, I flew out, and the rest is kind of history. Now I live here, we have a house, um, and we have one little girl who is with us right now, and she is pretty perfect. Yeah. That's so amazing. I love that. My husband and I are high school sweethearts too, but he always says like, not in the way that people think either, because he was like a year ahead of me. And then we didn't actually start dating until he went to college. So <laughs> we're like, we right. went to the same high school, but we're not like high school sweethearts. I love that. Okay. So how long have you guys been married? So we have been married for a little over a year. Hashtag COVID bride. Oh yeah. We're actually getting to have our wedding this coming November. Oh so I'll be God. really excited because our, our foster daughter will be able to be there with us. That is so awesome. So how old is your foster daughter and how long has she been with you guys? So she is going to be one year old next week and well, we're celebrating next week. It'll, she'll be a year old in nine days and she's been with us since January. So she was four months when she came to us. Okay. So I just want to ask you, I mean, let's talk about being a military wife for a little minute. Like, what's it like? Like, is it difficult? Are you just like, you're just in it, but like, how do you handle it? I will say that I think that God answered a lot of my prayers when I asked him to help me with my control issues by making me a military wife, because I have absolutely no control over my life whatsoever. Um, My husband is currently deployed. So I am here with, we call her Sunshine for social media purposes. I'm here with Sunshine while he is deployed. And that has been really hard, both for like single parenting, single parents out there. Y'all are my heroes. I don't know how you do it on a consistent basis. I'm very blessed to have like a village here. We, we've been in North Carolina long enough that I really do have such a great support system. Um, some girls from my Bible study came over today with their husbands. And one of them, one couple was assembling my grill. Another couple was helping me pressure wash my my back porch so that we could get ready for Sunshine's birthday next week. And I would not be able to do everything I'm doing if it wasn't for 
the community that we have here. So it's hard because being in the military um, can really feel like your family is isolated because you're far away from your family and your friends, but you end up kind of like building an even bigger family every place you end up. So Mm. it's lonely, but it's like not. Yeah. I'm so thankful that you do have people around you that can support you. That's amazing. And I think just thank you. Thank you and your husband for your service. It's so really appreciated. Yeah. Today was a hard day. Um, well this, these past few days, we had a bunch of friends who's, who were deploying to Afghanistan to, to be on the mission. So I get all the diplomats out. So just really heavy time here on Fort Bragg. I can only imagine. I know I've been watching that unfold on the news and I'm just like, whoa. And then just to talk to you today is just, it brings it so to reality, which is yeah. you know not, not a reality that many of us have to really be faced with. So thank you for, for all that and your husband as well. So what made you guys say like, yeah, you know what? Military life is uncertain and so is foster care. So why, why not do foster care? What made you guys come to the decision? We're adrenaline junkies. What can I say? (laughs) You must be. No, I, so I have always had it in my, in my head to foster, um, but I, it wasn't really placed on my heart so much until I became a teacher. Um, I'm a teacher by trade right now. I stay home, but I remember growing up begging my mom, mom, please, you could be, you would be the best foster mom. And my mom already had seven kids. And she said, Amanda, you can be a foster mom when you grow up. So I had it in my plan where I controlled my life and wrote out everything. I would get married. My husband and I would um, start a family, have some biological kids and open up our home. And God laughed and said, no, no, that's not how this is happening at all. And I remember it was a couple of years ago that I was teaching in a fifth grade classroom and we had, we had a foster child who was, was in care and, you know, coming through our classrooms. And I just remember like feeling that like so deep in my bones, I can't even explain the feeling just like, why am I not doing this yet? Like, why are we not doing this? Mm -hmm. And so we talked about it. My husband has always had it on his heart for adoption. Um, I don't know that he had actively considered foster care before I told him it was definitely something that I felt I had to be doing. And he jumped right in. And I remember being so annoyed when we first started because it just, everything comes so naturally to him. He's just such a good dad. And I feel like I have to work so hard for it. (laughs) Just like, this is my thing. I was supposed to be the one who was really good at this, but no, it's him. He's, he's just a natural. That's so funny. So were you nervous at all? Like not having the experience of being a parent and and having that had been your plan in the beginning? Yeah, definitely. I mean, to get thrust into parenting, I think that my career as a teacher helped a little bit just with like having experience with other people's children, but that didn't help so much with a four month old who can't communicate really to you, like what they're after. We took a while to kind of figure out a schedule for her and what her different cries kind of alluded to. And when we did respite care, we had a five-year-old come who's actually coming back this next weekend for another weekend to stay. And I remember that was really difficult, but less so because he could talk to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he could tell me what he, what he needed. It's so true. I think there's something so easy about babies and something so hard about babies. And it's just probably that way for every age and stage, but Definitely. yeah, it's and like, I feel like everybody has their, um, their niche, you know, like 
I am so excited to get to see my little buddy again this coming weekend, but I know I could not, I could not full-time take on a, um, a five-year-old. There's just no way. I, I remember talking to CJ, my husband about it. And I was like, you know, I think we're really good with babies or I want some, you know, I want to really open our home to some teenagers. <laughs> I think that like I'm, we're on both ends of the spectrum, but those, those middle ones. And it's funny because I taught fifth grade. I'm going back to teach middle school soon. So you would think, but I just hire because you know like, too much <laughs> about those middle yeah. grades. Yeah, it's tough. It absolutely is. But I love that. I think that it's so fun when I hear people say like, this is what I'm drawn to. And and some people have guilt around like, well, I, I really want to foster babies or I really want to foster teens or I only want to foster this age group. And I'm like, I mean, the more people I talk to, it sounds like everyone has something kind of different on their heart and there's no like right or wrong. It's just what you feel is is best for your family. So I love that you're. I think on that, it's important to remember too, um, you're doing a disservice, not just to yourself, but to the kids. If you know, it's not right. And you get into it with guilt. It's not going to be right for that child either when there is a home that knows what's right for them. And so really stepping into that and acknowledging like we can't be everyone's cup of tea. Yeah. And that was a really hard pill to swallow as a teacher. Like you just go in kind of thinking all my students are going to love me and I'm going to love all my students. And um, you make an active choice to like be there for them and, and love them through those hard times. But there have been some students that I have, I have never prayed harder for. <laughs> because they were very trying. And I just think that if we recognize that within ourselves, like it's okay to not enjoy every stage of childhood and infancy and young adulthood. And um, if you feel like you're a better fit somewhere, then that's probably where you should be serving. Yeah. I love that. That's such a good reminder. Absolutely. Um, I, yeah, I think we have some guilt sometimes around you know, I would, I, I wish I was more like this, or I wish I felt this about this group. And it's like, just, just go with what you feel. That's just yeah. what you should be listening to. So that's so good. So how long ha- was sunshine with you before your husband then got deployed? So she came to us beginning to middle of January and he deployed the beginning of May. So we had her for four months before he deployed. And we're really fortunate with this deployment that he is very connected. Um, previously, he's been on other deployments where, you know, we're lucky if we get to have one phone call a day, but we get to text a lot and there's a video call every day. So she gets to see his face every day. So there's not as much separation with that, but I know that that is not always the typical case for deployments. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that is just intense. You're missing your husband who's deployed, you're single parenting this little babe and doing all the things in your household. I still work full-time from home, which is, that was a really hard battle for me to, I stepped away from teaching to find a full-time job. I'm a virtual assistant online right now. And I'm really battling with putting her in daycare so that I can continue to work. And I'd like to get back into teaching and, you know, subbing every once in a while and kind of figuring out which school I want to be at. And there's a lot of guilt over it. You know, I chose to stay home so that we could bond. I didn't want her to come into our home and go right into a daycare. And now kind of all, you know, these months later, kind of flipping it and being like, okay, I think she'll be all right. Like you'll be all right too. <laughs> Cause I feel like I'm the one that she'll have so much fun. I'm the one that's going to be a mess. Yes. That's usually like how it goes. I think for most people, it's like the kids are like doing their thing and living their best life. And the parents are like, how's my baby? But it's so hard because you're not used to being away from them. 
Hey guys, I just wanted to let you know really quickly about some amazing free resources for foster mamas on my website, fearlessfostering.com. I have a self-care quiz that will help you decide exactly what type of self-care you need at this point on your foster care journey, as well as a virtual retreat for foster mamas and an anxiety-reducing email course, all for free. Check it out right now on fearlessfostering.com. So what do you think, what's like it looking like in her case? You don't have to share details, but just, is it looking like she's going to be with you for a lot longer or just totally uncertain? Do you guys know? Yeah, there's definitely a course for, it's kind of like, it's so hard to know how to give the privacy of the case while still like leading people towards understanding. We do have a court date on November 23rd for permanency. Mm-hmm. And that could, I mean, it could always go a number, a number of ways, but I don't know. I have a really hard time. Like, even when like the social worker tells you and the judge tells you certain things, I have a hard time thinking past the next court date, even Mm -hmm. if we know what the next court date is supposed to bring, because it's, it almost feels like you're playing with fire when you do that. This last court date she had at the end of July, we got a call from her social worker and he told us one thing and I, he told us that they were going to be switching her goal basically. And I just remember thinking I can plan her birthday now. Like, cause I, she'll be with us for her birthday at least, like at the very least, if they switch her goal, like they're not going to move her from our home. And so my sister-in-law and I went on Amazon and we started ordering all these things. And then two days later I get a call. Oh, a relative had a home study. Like she'll likely be moving next week during court. And I was like, wait a minute, what just happened? Yeah. And so I went to court, which it's not typical for foster parents to often, you know, go to, go to court, um, unless it's, there's so many cases and not all of them really need every person there. And I went to court and expecting to hear one thing and then heard something completely different again. And I just remember feeling like I just had whiplash, like, and mm-hmm. I couldn't fully process everything that was going on. It, when people say roller coaster, like they mean it. They really mean foster care is a roller coaster. It's so true. And it's like a roller coaster in the dark. Like you literally don't actually see anything. You have no clue what is coming in. What you just said just describes so much of our experience in both the children that we have fostered, as well as so many other women that I've talked to. It's like, it's almost like if you have, like, I've never, could you have a smooth foster care process? I'm not sure. (laughs) I don't know if that exists. It's hard too, because like you go in with these expectations and it's nothing like what you think it's going to be. And I know that the system is flawed, but I know that there are good people working in the system to do what they can with what we have. But I'll just tell you at that court case, I'm so glad I was there because I've, I've only gotten to one other, one other court date for her. I'm so glad I was there, but it was so heartbreaking because they heard her case and all of three minutes. Mm-hmm. Like I had been there for seven hours. I waited and they heard her case in three minutes and not a single person there had ever met her in person. The judge, she had a brand new GIL. Her social worker was out sick. Um, so his supervisor was there who had never met her. The lawyer had never met her. And I was just like, all of these people deciding this tiny person's fate. And you don't, you don't even know what she looks like. <laughs> That is a verbatim quote of something that I've said to my husband sitting outside a courtroom. They, one of the court days for my son, they were like, 
the judge, I don't know why, but he was like, you don't need, you guys could leave. Like, you don't need to be here. I'm like, we came all this way. Like, and this is our son that we want to adopt. He like kicked us out of the courtroom. He's like, say your name and then you can leave. And I'm like, okay. But so we did. And then we're just sitting there waiting, 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 knowing that like every other person in that room has never been in the presence of our kid like longer than, you know, 10 minutes. <laughs> if that, you know, there's only one or two people in there that had been. So it is crazy. It is. It's so bizarre, but just so thankful for people like you who are doing this and who are just saying yes, even when it's like kind of crazy circumstances. Like the fact that you're also working and are a military wife and had that uncertainty as well. It's just just beautiful. So thank you for doing that. What encouragement would you give to someone who is maybe struggling a little bit right now in their foster care journey? I would say that the best thing you can do for yourself is to not do it by yourself and find people who are willing to take the time to understand and to take the time to understand that they might not always understand, but that they can be there for you anyway in different capacities. You know, um, I feel like a lot of people especially since I started this Instagram and like dedicated solely to foster care, um, separate from like a different private one that I had been using. Um, I get a lot of people asking me, like, I just don't think that I'm right for foster care, but I feel so bad. I want to get involved. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you don't have to be a foster parent to be involved in foster care. So Mm -hmm. find those people who have a heart for it, even if they're not, their heart isn't for foster parenting. There are people out there who want to help you and who want to be there for you and, and let people help you, which is hard sometimes, but let them do it. <laughs> let so them come pressure wash your patio and build your grill, <laughs> even though you feel like you should be able to do everything. We can't and we need people. It's so true. I think that's a huge encouragement and, and good message for all the foster moms out there. We, we tend to spread ourselves so thin and just try to be super woman, super mom all the time. And it's like, if we were specific and, and asking people just for what would make our lives a little bit easier, I think that more people would probably be willing to step up and do those things. But so many people are in the dark that they don't know what you need. I'm over here preaching to myself, like, accept your heart, Amanda. (laughs) Say yes. When they ask you, if you need something, you know, don't swipe it under the rug and, and put on that, you know, pretty face of like, Nope, I got it. I don't got it. You guys, if you're listening to this, I don't, I don't got it. Call me. Exactly. I know. I'm like, Oh, you want to come help a foster family? Cool. You know where to find me. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. I'm just so thankful for your willingness to share. And I would love for people to be able to find you online and just continue to follow your story as it unfolds. So where can people find you online? So we are exclusively on Instagram right now. Our account is Foster Little Lambs. Um, to go with our last name, I thought it was cute. That's adorable. Um, and um, that's where we hang out. Okay. Well, thank you so much again for everything that you're doing for your service to our country and for your husbands. And just, gosh, I hope and pray that he stays safe and all, all of your guys' friends thank do you. as well. 